beyond infinity. When you come into Australia, as you'd be pretty aware, a lot of people travel these days. I think it was uh, at least 10 million people went overseas on holidays last year. Mm-hmm. And out of a population of 25 million, that's quite a few. Mm-hmm. And I guess it also um, says something about the cost of having a holiday in Australia. Yeah. The fact that that yeah. many people go overseas. But be that as it may, when you arrive in Australia, when you're back from your holiday overseas or your, your business trip, whatever it is, you have a smart passport with a chip inside it and that can be scanned. I think with children, it's a bit different. They want you to go through and kind of do it the old-fashioned way where you go and actually see a, a, mm-hmm. a physical person. Yeah, you walk up to a little booth and then you... Yeah, um, you get a card. You get a card. So you have to say if you've been to a certain country, you're not. And mm. um, it just it just spits that card out and you go and line up at the smart booth. Yep. Yeah, and then you basically stand on a pair of footprints, look at the, look at this machine, which I think is looking at your eyes, mm-hmm. doing a, an eye scan, an iris scan. It's probably measuring the uh, distance on your face as well. Yeah, so facial recognition. Facial recognition, yeah. Yep. So using a combination of technologies to verify that you are that person, it's already scanned your passport, so you've got the correct document, you look like the person who they've got on record, and uh, all things being equal, you walk straight through, and mm. that can save time. It also oh. relieves the, the big queue for, for everyone else who doesn't have a smart passport who needs to queue up and, and see a well, physical person. They, they've got it for the exit as well as entry now. So right. remember years That's ago, right, they do, don't yeah, they? I yeah, I remember years ago um, lining up to go through immigration, and it, it probably took... 25 minutes at least, 25 minutes, a half an hour of just because it was a long line. Mm-hmm. You know, you had your card filled out. What about trying to leave. get to Bali? And then, mm-hmm. I know, well, this is, I think it was on the way to Bali. And so mm-hmm. it got through, oh, geez, that was a while. But then um, I think mid to late last year in Melbourne, they'd set up uh, this smart gate exit. And uh, we went through um, September, October last year. And it was so quick through there within two minutes done and it was a long line i mean there was uh, lots of people in there but it was just so smooth and so quick it just went very quick but then they did have an outage i think last monday Mm -hmm. uh where uh the smart system went down and i think it went down around the whole of australia it took six hours to get it back up again Mm -hmm. and in that period while that was being fixed they had to basically process everyone manually and i think there were delays of 90 minutes for travelers at melbourne airport yeah yeah and maybe maybe more elsewhere so there's an economic cost to that there's a there's a hassle involved it doesn't leave people if you're exhausted after a long flight it's the last thing you want to be doing standing around the airport waiting for a, a glitch to be solved so there are Moves afoot. Um, the Australian government basically, I think it announced back in January 2017, that uh, by 2020, it wanted a system in place to process 90% of travellers automatically. So that's using artificial intelligence, facial recognition technology, other biometrics, looking at your eye, looking at your face, possibly fingerprints, all the rest of it, to but, you know to verify who you are and to get you through as fast as possible. There are some downsides to that, uh, unfortunately. And one is the limits of artificial intelligence or the fact that artificial intelligence, and we've covered this, we've talked quite a lot on the program about art, artificial intelligence and it's on our website. You just do a search for artificial intelligence, you'll pull up various podcasts mm-hmm. we've done because it's, it's a really interesting area. Mm-hmm. There are people who are quite worried about it, alarmed by it. Elon Musk has come out and said, gee, we need to be very careful about this. He has his own startup called OpenAI, which is doing research mm-hmm. and they've been making leaps and bounds in, you know, I think they go the example of where you can actually create fake news you can give sort of one line the opening line of a story for example to an ai 
algorithm and it basically can extrapolate that out and write a paragraph. Yeah. Uh, I mean, potentially you could just feed in, you know, if you're a lazy author, you know, you could just sit there and just write in like one sentence, there's a paragraph, another sentence, there's a paragraph and just let the AI do the work for you, well, we, except it won't make perfect sense. You we know? reported only uh, a month or two ago on the uh, This Person Is Not Real, which mm. was the AI-generated uh, face. Mm. Well, only in the last few days I've seen one now that's a full person. So really? it's, it's actually... Wow. It was a, it's gone uh, beyond just the head. Yeah, it was, I watched on YouTube and I think they had eight little clips within the one picture mm. and it was focusing on, you know, it was like might have been a lady spinning and she had a dress and when she spun around, then it changed into someone completely different. Wow. And... And this was all AI, machine learning, computer generated, you know, real time, real time stuff, stuff mm. which those people were fake. It was just what the machine generated that it thought, you know, we would connect with mm. I mean, based on, you know, all the historical images that it's read upon. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting, exciting and slightly scary area. But one of the issues that comes up if you're using AI to verify who people are when they're entering an airport, when they're crossing a border, they're entering a country, effectively going through immigration scanning is that AI doesn't always get it right. And, and an example that's given, you know, say a number of, of people who are drug traffickers who've, who've been caught out are wearing a particular outfit, so they're wearing a red jacket. Mm-hmm. And that just seems to be this, this coincidental common denominator between a bunch of, of separate drug traffickers. Mm-hmm. Well, then AI might, might conclude, okay, well, there's a higher likelihood of people wearing red jackets being drug, drug smugglers, which we know is not the case. Yeah. So there are assumptions. Another area of, of sort of weakness of AI is that it can't necessarily explain why it's made a decision or how it's made it a decision. It just flags. It's, it just yeah. says this is flagged. But if you actually asked it or if you tried to analyze or get a sort of diagnostic report of why and how it came to a mm-hmm. particular finding about an individual, mm-hmm. it can't necessarily give you that answer. So that makes makes kind of controlling it a bit difficult. It, makes, uh, it, it can lead to kind of incorrect outcomes. Mm-hmm. That could be both ways. It could be that um, someone who's innocent and a completely uh, non-risk sort of person who completely legitimately going through the airport they get flagged and they get hauled aside and uh, and and similarly someone who is a serious criminal might be able to slip through yeah because of those kind of weaknesses another area is that the technology is changing so quickly that you start and it's and it's government funded so the government's going to take a while to deliver all this it's got to yeah. go through all the protocols and funding and checks and uh, and things along the way uh, so by the time they actually get the thing rolled out and in practice, working in, in Australian airports and, and ports and elsewhere, uh, the technology has changed completely and well, there, are, there are ways around it. Uh, we've got our NBN, which is almost being superseded by the 5G networks once that is it fully... It will be, yeah. It will be once it's fully developed. And, mm. and so it's a similar kind of thing where, um, you know, what we think today is going to be the technology of the future is all of a sudden there's a major change and then in three to four, five years, uh, there's a brand new technology and it's got an obsolete system. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, these... They, are um, some of the drawbacks of using AI as a way but of are they suggesting that uh, you would get you'd leave your passport at home is that what this no well they're not because because if you get red flagged then all of a sudden you have to produce your documentation absolutely and mate. then getting into another country the other countries are not going to have this well, not every system. not every country does I think it's China US Britain New Zealand are all part of the special passport the smart passport that Australians mm-hmm. use that chip technology in mm-hmm. the middle of your passport which can be scanned and read mm-hmm. so there are other countries but not by no means every country at mm-hmm. all so a lot of places you know, don't don't be uh, not taking your passport yet. I do see a world. I do see a time when uh, you probably won't have a passport. It might be embedded in your phone. It might be 
in your your wearable smartwatch. Mm-hmm. It might be embedded in a chip under you know behind your ear, which you don't even know you've got. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. There are different uh, options as far as this is concerned. But it's it's interesting with Border Force in Australia. Border Force itself is responsible for operational activity at borders around Australia, but Home Affairs, which is a government body, uh, is responsible for all the financial capability and infrastructure. So mm-hmm. there's a division there, which yep. can also cause delays and problems. So, and not to mention, you know, when you're handing over, you know, for, for this biometric data to be stored, it's very critical to, uh, data, which identifies you as you. Yes. Where's it going to be stored securely? You know, can you rely on these government servers and uh, border force servers that, that keep and, this information? And this is not like a password where a password you can just change over, like, oh, I'm going to update this now. No. We're talking about biometric information, eye color. We're talking about, you know, blood type. We're talking about, you know, down to, um, you know, maybe even fingerprints as well. And, and everything it's, else. Like, it's like the data retention rules, you know, that, that information's got to be kept for a couple of years. Well, what happens if that gets hacked? Whenever you store any kind of sensitive information, it's like the, um, the medical record uh, system that's been brought in Australia yeah. and a lot of people have opted out of, mm-hmm. there are concerns about where and how and, and, and whether this information is secure. The issue is that, you know, we, we say now, oh, we can store this information, it'll be secure and uh, trust us and everything will be fine. Uh, but we've also just been talking about how AI can generate uh, people's faces and pictures. Well, all of a sudden, you just reverse feed back in the biometric information and then it can spit out um, a, a real human and that could be a copy of you. So uh, there, there could be ways to fool the system just by stealing this data, running it through the AI and, uh, and tricking the systems into it. And it's a scary thought. It's the, I guess, the wars of the future is this biometric information that's being shared and and taken and uh, abused. Mm, Indeed. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you've liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPPFM on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.